Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast, everybody. We are your hosts, Jake Arthur, here alongside Zach Hicks. And we are on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love it if you give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show. And please leave a review as well. Thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. Uh, today, we're going to go ahead and talk about the latest rumors involving the Colts. And that includes our chat with Eagles beat writer Mike K of NJ.com about Carson Wentz. Uh, from the Eagles side of things, he's been the authority on the topic, so he's the perfect person for us to talk to. We're also going to be talking more about the draft now that it's the offseason for every team. Uh, we're going to specifically take a look at two potential day two quarterbacks for the Colts in Kellen Mond and Jamie Newman. And then we're also going to dig into your questions. Uh, one thing I definitely love about this show, especially now in the offseason without as much concrete stuff going on, uh, is that's you guys drive the show with your questions. Uh, there's a lot of question answering for us. So these offseason shows will have much less structure to them uh, because you guys are literally going to tell us what you want to know and we're going to answer it. So uh, this honestly, is so the show is guys. kind of becoming like a, just a Q&A show for us. Yeah, and I kind exactly. of love it. Like, on, like, honestly, like, yeah, it, it's it's great because we don't have to wonder what content we need to give you guys because you're literally asking us stuff mm-hmm. you want to know. So <laughs> that's it's perfect. Yeah, uh, we, we don't have we, to create storylines or anything. It's just yeah. you guys ask us questions. We we bullshit about what we think about it and stuff. And it's <laughs> just, I like it. I you know you guys. That's why I keep asking for you guys to keep sending me questions. I love getting all these yeah. questions. Like, I, yeah, some I of them are insane it. and love them. Yeah, it, it's it's made creating the outline of the show so much more easier because after the ad, it's just you know what are a few talking points and stuff going on right now, and then okay, boom, questions. <laughs> and you just get to copy and paste them down there so it's not even like much typing that that has become the longest part of the of the show prep is copying and pasting all the questions and getting them into a format i want <laughs> like legit i like i remember when i used to host locked on redskins years ago and i would do q a episodes i would have to like every single question i got mm-hmm. so you know on twitter you can go into the like tab and i would just roll through all of them and see which ones i liked the most if i had a ton <laughs> And yeah, that like feature really helps, but sometimes you still miss them and stuff. And it's, yeah, you want to get all of them. Yeah. So if, if you were one of the people who asked us a question this week, if you don't hear your question specifically, it's likely I left it out because we are probably going to answer it throughout the show at some other point. Um, and then we, we get a lot of questions that kind of center around the same topic. So I kind of try to keep some questions general if, if they're popular questions. Uh, But before we get into all that, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. When it comes to placing bets, I had a hell of a time trying to use the big boys during the Super Bowl 
So I've got to practice some self-care by only using Bet Online from now on. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Bet Online has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine, and of course, a 24-hour online casino. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so digging into the nitty-gritty, we got to start the top of the show here by acknowledging just the really rough past couple of weeks that we've had in the sports world. Uh, with some of just some of the great people that we've lost uh, recently, Chris Wessling from Around the NFL podcast, Pedro Gomez from ESPN, uh, the baseball analyst, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, the legendary NFL coach, uh, Therese Paler, who everybody seemed to love. Uh, he was a Chiefs writer formerly and then went over to Yahoo to cover the entire league. And then a couple weeks ago, Seku Smith, who was an NBA analyst and actually was here in Indianapolis covering the Pacers for the star. So um, just our, our thoughts go out to everyone affected by that. Uh, although personally, I, I didn't get have the pleasure to meet any of these guys, especially, you know, Therese Paler, Chris Wessling probably would have been someone more realistic for me to meet. Uh, just all of the, the outpouring of love on Twitter for these guys and just people I know who knew them directly, you could tell they were just kind of gutted over this. So, um, you know, our, our thoughts go out to everyone affected by those losses. It's been, it's been a rough start to the year so far. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what's going on with the sports. I mean, cause, uh, Paler was only like 37. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And, and Wesling was 49. And I know he lost a uh, fight with cancer is what happened with him. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, after after the year that we had in 2020, with all the people we lost in 2020, uh, yeah, Taylor's uh, death hit hard. Um, I never I never really communicate with him too much. I've talked I think I've talked to him every now and then on Twitter before, um, but mm-hmm. I've been a huge fan of his for a while. He's a he was a really 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 talented writer, and I definitely uh, recommend anyone listening to this to go check out some of the stuff he did with Yahoo. Um, he, he, man, he did some really good stuff. I think he did the all juice squad every single year, uh, for the draft, mm-hmm. uh, which is always one of my favorite articles. I always had that ready to read every single year. So, um, yeah, that, that one's hard. That one's tough. Uh, I know a couple guys, like you said, like Brandon Thorne, I think was on this podcast literally the day before. Yeah. And I, I can't even imagine, dude, like that's tough. That's tough. So, um, you know. Tough start to 2021, but uh, hopefully it can only get better from here at this point. But yeah, Therese uh, Paler, man, that's that 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 caught me so off guard because I because you know he's 37. I was like, yeah, I did not expect that whatsoever to wake up to that news. Yeah, him and him and Pedro Gomez especially. It yeah, like both of them kind of just totally randomly out of nowhere. Uh, like Pedro Gomez. God, I I was a Sports Center junkie growing up, and yeah, he was always on there. That yeah, I shoot that that guy's voice plays in my head sometimes when I'm trying to sleep. You know, like I've I've heard his voice so many times growing up, but it's uh, it's rough. But Lance Erline made a good point. Um, you know, make sure to to tell the people you care about and the people you admire that how you feel about them before they're gone, and you're you're having to give them a mini eulogy on Twitter. You know, so 
Yeah, that's why I specifically added Kenny Moore after yeah. that. <laughs> and, and your I, and your wife is a. Friend. And my 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 wife was the was in the yeah she was awesome, <laughs> here, but you know Kenny Moore is what she she understands my admiration for Kenny. So oh yeah, we're, we're cool. She's got to. If she was going to sign the dotted line, she needed to know. <laughs> she knew beforehand. She she <laughs> saw my closet had the Kenny freaking Moore T shirt, and she knew. She just knew that's right. <laughs> All right, so shifting gears here. Uh, now, again, now that it's the off season, uh, just wanted to point out a couple of the the coming the upcoming uh, important NFL dates uh, from February 23rd to March 9th. That is the window for teams to designate players as franchise or transition tag. Uh, and then March 15th through 17th is the legal tampering period for free agency. And then 4 p.m. Eastern on March 17th. Shit gets wild. It's time guys can start signing. So uh, it's some of the most exciting few weeks on the NFL calendar for sure. So that's coming up. Um, unless you were under a rock over the last week or so, Peyton Manning was voted into the Hall of Fame over the weekend. Uh, Reggie, Reggie Wayne is going to have to wait another year again. Um, so a, a good amount of Colts fans disagreed with me on this, but uh, – Megatron, Calvin Johnson got in on the first ballot. Reggie Wayne has to wait another year. But Calvin Johnson, like like I said on Twitter that night, uh, he was damn near one of a kind, and I really don't know how much damn near needs to be involved. Like Other than Randy Moss, have you ever seen a more physical freak of a receiver? No. Yeah, well, I, I'm 23. I grew up watching football, you know, in like 2005, 2006 when I started watching football. Mm-hmm. The best receiver I've ever seen play in the game is Calvin Johnson. So exactly, he was considered the pretty much his entire career. He was considered the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's kind of like like that Gronk aspect, right? Like if even your peak's not that long, if throughout your entire peak you're the best in the NFL at your position, I mean, obviously you're a Hall of Famer, but first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, one day Aaron Donald, if, if Aaron Donald were to retire right now. He'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely. JJ Watt's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because his four year stretch of dominance was unlike anything we've ever seen before. And that's kind of what Calvin Johnson was, even though his was longer than guys like JJ Watt and maybe Aaron, Aaron Donald will probably keep his going. But uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's okay to be upset about Reggie because Reggie should be in there and, and he will be in there. It's yeah. not like he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. Like, he's absolutely a Hall of Fame receiver and he'll get in. But yeah. Calvin Johnson should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's he's the best thing I've ever seen at the position. And mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Randy Moss, too. I, I always thought Calvin Johnson, uh, maybe just because he was younger, I always thought Calvin Johnson was the best thing at the position uh, to ever play. Just from my experience, I didn't watch Jerry Rice. But, um, yeah, injuries derailed what would have been an elite, amazing career. But he's a freak. Like you said, one of a kind, best to do it in, in this generation. So, I don't know. I yeah, I, I think I think I would have been more upset if Reggie had limited chances, but I think next year looks pretty good for him. The like the first ballot guys for next year aren't. It's not like this year was. He'll get in eventually. He's he's his body of work, especially including the playoffs. It's it's stacks right up there with anybody just about. Uh, the next part we're going to touch on. Um, don't want to dwell on it too much. The game itself, but. The Super Bowl, uh, the Buccaneers <laughs> beat the Chiefs 31 to nine. 
Uh, both Zach and I were wrong on that prediction, but uh, damn it. Uh, but <laughs> damn, again, that's all we with, without dwelling on that, we'll put this from a Colts perspective. What can the Colts pull from that game? Because how many times after, after the Colts acquired DeForest Buckner, did Frank Reich and Chris Ballard mention Buckner's performance in the Super Bowl, you know, uh, last year against the Chiefs? So what, I mean, not necessarily a specific player, but what do you think the, the Colts can learn from that game that we just saw? Yeah, definitely edge pass rush is something mm-hmm. that the Colts need. Because uh, I think we definitely learned just watching this whole season, though, for the for the Colts that you can have one superstar, freaky, elite pass rusher, but still not have a good overall pass rush. And that's kind of what the Colts just had this past year, where Buckner was not even arguably, he was the second best defensive tackle in football this year. But the pass rush was quiet. I mean, especially in the playoff game against the Bills. And who knows, like maybe if they had, obviously this is an extreme example, but if they had someone like a Shaq Barrett on the outside, or even a Jason Pierre-Paul level, the way that Pierre-Paul was playing this year. Um, maybe that would have been the difference between winning and losing that game. So I think that's the biggest thing to pull from it. Uh, you know, it's tough to really pull much else. I think it was just an outstanding game plan by Todd Bowles. Uh, yeah. I, I think he knew where his strength was on his defense. He knew where the weakness was on the Chiefs offense. And he knew his strength with that pass rush would be able to completely exploit that offensive line. Uh, so he was perfectly content with with sitting back in coverage and, and bracketing receivers and, and playing some too high looks the whole game. And as a result, Mahomes was kind of seeing ghosts for a lot of the game. So uh, great game plan. Uh, the defensive line up front was outstanding for, for the Bucks. Um, and yeah, and then on offense, they were able just to get enough penalties go their way to, to score yeah. 31 points. It, I, I don't know if, if I don't think the Bucks offense really played that well altogether, but uh, they got some timely penalties, which, you know, Crazy Tom Brady getting some timely penalties yeah. to help him out. Crazy, right? That that never happens. But uh, you know, I I think that the biggest takeaway is just that edge pass rush, which you and I have been talking about for a while. And and I I know at least from what the for the culture guys been reporting, uh, Chris Ballard knows it too. So edge, I expect him to to address that. But I, I think that's a huge takeaway from this Super Bowl. Yeah, edge is happening. It, it's yeah. it's not going to be like. I don't even want to call Justin Houston a Band-Aid after 2018 because, you know, he, he still – he gave the Colts two good years. But yeah, he gave them 20 sacks. Yeah, yeah, two really good years. But I think it's going to be a bigger addition than that one was, if you if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, some someone who's probably got, you know, less less long in the tooth, probably a little more to their career. Again, R- Romeo Aquara or Carl Lawson would be perfect. They're young enough. These, they're only going into their second NFL contracts, I think. So they, they've yeah. they've got plenty of time. Guara um, might be going third because I think he got cut. But oh yeah, he's he's had kind so, of a bumpy start. Was he with like the Giants first or something? Yeah, he was a UDFA signed by the Giants. Yeah. Then he cut some weight, and that's what kind of led to more breakout. Mm-hmm. And then he signed with the Lions, and the Lions. And that's when he exploded with the Lions. Well, Notre Dame, the system he played in at Notre Dame, I think he probably played some 3-4 end a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. So finding the right body composition for well, he was like, can be part of it. Yeah, he was like 270 or 275 coming out, and that's why he hmm. didn't test super well. I think he ran like a 4-9, and 
And if you watch this film now, there's no way you would think he ran a 4.9 because he's like super long and quick and explosive. And yeah, you, you just wouldn't expect that. So I think he cut some weight after that and, and it definitely helped. And you can see it on film. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, Mahomes was running for his life the whole game. So yes, you, you absolutely need protection, but he was also down four of his five linemen. Like that's almost unprecedented. Like to get I into this. I a player on that line starting in that game. It was a seventh <laughs> round pick. The yeah. highest drafted. <laughs> that, that's pretty unprecedented. I mean, it goes to show just how good that offense is. They could still get there with that. But at, at the end of the day, I feel like in every Super Bowl, the team with the better pass rush always wins. And I mean, yeah. San Fran had a better pass rush in general the year before, but Frank Clark and Chris Jones, the the Chiefs defensive front was humming in that one. So usually, I I feel like the team with the better pass rush in the game typically wins out. But yeah, yeah. So the the Colts, I Chris Ballard already mentioned it after the season. But he'd like to make sure they have depth on the offensive line, which is something, you know, the, the Chiefs needed a little more depth on the line. But, inj- you know, you can't ever deal with that amount of injuries. So the Colts would need depth on the offensive line. They obviously have to figure out left tackle. But edge pressure. Uh, you, you're going to get killed every time if you can't get pressure. So I think those two things especially. Um, another thing they could learn is not to have to go against Tom Brady because – no one in the history of the NFL has been better at capitalizing off of the other team's mistakes or penalties or anything like that. If something goes wrong for the other team, he's coming right back and putting points on the board. That is what he's incredible at. Yeah. I mean, that's why he's got seven and nobody else is even close. I mean, he's he's got the most in NFL history, more than any team. So. Mm, that's <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> so... The uh, the other Colts rumor, the biggest thing over the past week or so has been all the buzz about Carson Wentz uh, from the Eagles. It looks like pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that he is going to get dealt. Uh, from everything everyone's heard, it's the Colts and Bears have been the two most prominent suitors. Um, the Colts are, you know, they're not going to do anything drastic and get uncharacteristic just to just to be desperate and make something happen. So. They their offers haven't been you know accepted yet. The Bears probably have richer offers out there, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, the Eagles aren't going to get what they initially wanted. I think that's why it's taking so long is because they're they're trying to hold out for things and trying to catch fire in the rest of the league, leaking leaking offers and things like that. If 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 they don't do it soon, at least the Colts are going to back off. You know what I mean? But they're they're not going to stay interested in that long in someone like Carson Wentz. He's not transcendent or anything like that. Um, What we last heard today, uh, I forget who it was from, uh, but the Colts had apparently offered their 2021 second rounder, 2022 second rounder, and then a future potential third or fourth rounder. So (laughs) that sounds very Chris Ballard ish to me. I mean, with, with his, with his knack for, recouping second round picks i could see him willing to part with second round picks because he always gets more um i don't know <laughs> yeah for me when i saw that at first i was like okay that kind of seems like something about do, even though i think that's a bit of a heavy price for Wentz. 
Um, that's a lot of – I mean, I know it's not even all in the same year, but it's a lot for Carson Wentz. Yeah. But consider the source is what I would say. I think it came from Ron Jaworski. Oh, okay. Very, very connected with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So what does he benefit from leaking that the Eagles yeah. have? Like the Colts – Colts like one, we, I feel like from all the reports on the smoke, we know the Colts don't have the highest offer out there right now. No. Um, I think there's a lot of reports about the – the Bears having number 20 on the table. Uh, but I think likely what's going on, this is all speculation on my part here. I, I don't have too much inside insight on this. But um, I would guess the Bears have 20 on the table, but they probably want like a third or fourth back. And the Eagles don't want to do that. So they're leaking out this trade that the Colts are apparently offering to in order to get the Bears to up their offer. But from the things I have heard, this is the stuff I, I kind of have heard. I, I think there's some frustration on every side that's talking with Roseman right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, you know, you don't even need to be a rocket science to figure that out because I, I mean, why is this taking so long? You can, you know, that Wentz wants to be dealt, the Eagles want to deal him, but uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I think, I don't think Ballard offered two seconds for him. I would like to think that he didn't offer that much, but we'll see. I, I personally don't think Ballard would be super interested. I think the reason why he's pursuing is because Frank Wright uh, is confident that he can turn him around. But like like Ballard said in his end season press conference, you know he's he's not going to get overly aggressive and stupid with mm. with going after a quarterback. You know he's not going to make that mistake. And two seconds, I think, is fine, but. That, that is a lot for a quarterback who was arguably the worst starter in football last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another big reason the Colts aren't willing to really use first round picks so much in trades for guys that aren't like a sure thing, like DeForest Buckner is because a first round pick to Chris Ballard really isn't just a first round pick. It's potentially two top 50 picks because he, he's always looking to move down, which usually results in getting back a top 50 pick or so, something around there. So, you know, it may look like a first-round pick on the surface, but really it's probably two picks, knowing him generally. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a lot it's a lot to part with. Uh, but on the topic of Wentz, before we get into much else, uh, let's go ahead and play for you our conversation with Mike K from NJ.com. All right, everybody, we've got Mike K here. He's the Eagles beat reporter from NJ.com. He's been all over the Carson Wentz trade saga from the very beginning, so there's really no one better to talk about uh, with this whole thing than him. Obviously, the Colts have been uh, very heavily involved in the rumor mill when it comes to Wentz, so we, uh, we wanted to bring Mike on. Thanks for coming with us, buddy. Well, I appreciate you having me, Jake. Yeah, of course. So uh, just some background on this whole thing. Obviously, the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts gave them some comfort in kind of shortening Carson Wentz's leash. Uh, but what has led from him being, you know, a no doubt franchise quarterback to him potentially being traded within kind of such a short amount of time? Well, I, I think you've got to look at this in outside of a vacuum, okay? Because, like, in the vacuum sense, they drafted Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a guy that they really fell in love with at the Senior Bowl. I don't think they drafted him to take over for Carson. I think they drafted him as insurance. They knew he was comfortable being a backup, and he was going to be supportive. He's got a very similar temperament to Nick Foles in that he will be supportive no matter 
what role he plays. I think that played a lot into it. And again, they, they love the guy. Uh, that said, Carson Wentz had the worst year of his career last year, and it was historically bad. It was a historically bad regression as he played behind uh, an ever-turning offensive line and uh, his weapons who just kind of seemed to be a turnstile as well. Just look, this isn't all on Carson, but I think there are a lot of hurt feelings on both sides. Look, he was benched uh, in week 13. Uh, that led to a rift with him and Peterson, uh, who is no longer here. Um, while there are reports that the reason why he was fired was largely due to his backing of Wentz, I can tell you that that's not the sense that I get. I think that had a lot to do with the staff, particularly uh, new Colts assistant, Press Taylor, who uh, drew the ire of his uh, fellow coaches and fellow players with his uh, quote-unquote soft treatment of Carson Wentz. They are very close friends. Uh, it's more of a mentor-mentee, uh, buddy sort of relationship, or at least it was here, than more of a coach over a player sort of situation. So, um, you know, there's that. So you, you lose Press Taylor, you lose uh, your starting job, and you're Carson Wentz, and you're saying, well, what's going on here? And I think there's hurt feelings on both sides of the ball, as it were. Gotcha. So, you know, th there's hurt feelings. He wants out. The Colts are a very uh, familiar team. There's Frank Reich. There's Press Taylor, like you said. There's Mike Grow. Uh, so obviously the, the Colts have, have been a very heavily tied, rumored team. Uh, it seems like them and the Bears have been the, the two most discussed. There's, you know, maybe a mystery third team out there in the mix. Uh, from what we've heard, the Bears were kind of trying to outbid themselves. Uh, the, the Colts, and especially Chris Ballard, everyone knows he's not going to panic and reach for stuff. Uh, has it still kind of, do you think it's still kind of been the, the Bears against themselves? Or has, as time has gone on, have things kind of leveled for the Colts a bit? Well, I think the Colts are the logical destination. I think Carson Wentz would prefer to go to the Colts. That said... I think Chris Ballard is playing this very, very well. He is not reaching. He's not flinching. They've had talks. Um, I know for a fact that the, the Colts have asked for another Eagles player in order to kind of smooth out the value here. Look, Carson Wentz is coming off a season where he led the league in interceptions and sacks taken despite only playing 12 games. Uh, you can talk about 2017 all you want. Uh, and his MVP-like season, but he's also had a major knee injury, uh, a fractured back, and a pretty notable concussion since then. Um, he's not the same player. He has not shown that he is the same player since then. And so I think when you look at his value, you're selling him at his lowest, probably, value of his career. And look, I'm sure the Colts know that Carson Wentz would like to go to Indianapolis. Frank Reich is seen as the ultimate mentor to Carson Wentz. Plus, Press Taylor's there. Plus, Mike Grow is there. So there's a lot of familiarity. It'd be a comfortable setting. Michael Pittman's a better wide receiver than any guy in the Eagles' wide receiver core is kind of proven at this point. Uh, actually fits Carson Wentz's game pretty well. Uh, Jack Doyle is there. Um like there's weapons and the offensive line outside of left tackle is pretty solid. So 
Uh, it's an intriguing option for Wentz, but my understanding is the Eagles will accommodate, you know, the fact that Wentz not, might not want to be there anymore, but they're not going to just send him where he wants to go just for the sake of doing right by him. They want value for him. And look, the Eagles have stayed firm. Um, they believe that he is worth a lot. And what I've been told is that they don't want to give him up for much less than what Stafford got. But the issue is Stafford's deal is such a misnomer because essentially the Rams traded a first and a, and a, and a future, or, or sorry, a third and a future first for Stafford, which isn't the same value as a first and a third. Um, and then, you know, they, they, I mean, then they traded essentially another future first to, for the Lions to take on Jared Goff's contract. This is not a similar situation. If anything, Wentz's contract is, or Wentz's situation is more closer to Goff's than it is to Stafford. Um, and look, the market's not that huge. You bring up Chicago. Chicago's gotten impatient with them. Chicago feels like they've given them a very good offer. And, you know, the Eagles are kind of overvaluing Wentz in their opinion, or at least in their outlook. And the sense is, is that, look, the Bears and Colts both have other trade options. They also have other internal options that would stop them, that would prevent them from having to dish out notable draft capital or players. So right now, the Eagles don't have a ton of leverage. Yeah, you, you touched on what was going to be my next part quite a bit there with with his value. Uh, you know, we heard at the beginning it was it was really high, but like probably unrealistic with a couple firsts. And then, of course, the Matt Stafford, Jared Goff thing kind of makes things a little more interesting. Uh, I, I think you made a good point. His situation is probably closer to Jared Goff's because it's more of a team wanting to maybe part ways more than it is, you know, try, looking for value. Um, my, my co-host Zach Hicks, in, like you mentioned, there uh, the Colts might want to package some some uh, picks or players. My my co-host Zach Hicks actually heard Zach Ertz was an interesting name and potentially in, involved in that. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. The Colts looking maybe for some some experienced tight end help. But uh, w- you know, before we let you go here. Do you think there's a, a bottom line for the Eagles? Like, is there a point where they just hold on to Carson Wentz or will they eventually budge to, to another team's requests? I think there's a smidge, right? Like, you're not going to just trade them for a third round pick if that's what the, the market is. Uh, that said, I do think they will find value. It probably will not appeal to the fan base. But at this point, optics are going to be bad no matter what happens. I mean, you, you trade it up for this guy. You sign him to an extension, you let Nick Foles go, who won you a Super Bowl. Like The optics are never going to be good, and it's only been five years. But I do think, look, Carson's 20, 28. He's shown that he can play at a top 15 level at the quarterback position even better. Um, and I think a team is going to bite here. I just don't know how this resolves with Wentz and and Howie Roseman and everybody being on the same page. I just don't see it. Now, I think the dramatics of this issue on both sides have kind of been heightened. But what I would say is I don't foresee him being an Eagle this year. I just don't. Um, There's too much smoke. There's too much stuff that you can't just put back into the bottle. There's too much stuff that is leaked. And the leaked stuff is accurate for the most part. So... 
Um, it's tough, man. This is there. I will say this: the fact that Wentz has not asked for a trade and that has not leaked or been reported is a sign that that Wentz knows that he does not want to affect the leverage of the Eagles because if he does that, he's not getting out. So, I think from that sense. That's a further clue that both sides would be happy with the change of scenery. Gotcha. Yeah, this this Carson Wentz stuff is just about all people on uh, on Twitter can talk about right now from the Colts side of it. So I am very happy you were able to get on with us, Mike. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us, everyone. If if you want to follow Mike's work, uh, and you definitely should keep track of him, especially right now. Uh, find him on Twitter at mike underscore e underscore k. And find his work at nj.com. Thanks again, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Mike for taking some of his time out to talk to us. Uh, now we'll go ahead and kind of move on to some other quarterback talk because it's the flavor of of the moment. Wentz, Wentz talk will be done soon. There's already been Sam Darnold talk that has picked up a little bit. Um, but uh, Zach and I were going to do a little exercise for you guys here today. We're going to take a list of potentially available quarterbacks uh, this offseason and kind of you've heard us either on here or Twitter and really everyone else say, you know, yes, I want that guy. No, I don't want that guy because it's kind of all based on price. Um, But some of these guys, it's not hard nose. It's just for the right price. So we're going to go ahead and kind of rank some of these guys that we like and, you know, Maybe some of the guys that we've that we've sounded negative about, maybe we'll tell you what we would take them for. Um, Just off the bat, we're going to exclude guys like Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr and Russell Wilson, because those just seem they're just long shots. They're not Russell. Let Russ cook in Indy. You know, (laughs) that's totally that's where an influencer strives to be. Indianapolis. Ciara and Indianapolis. She can get her music career going again. Indianapolis is a hot scene. <laughs> it is. It's the hottest of the yeah. scene. Yeah. So no, we're gonna leave out those big name guys for now, and until something more real comes about, we'll leave those alone. Uh, but the list, and I'll just I'll give you mine in order. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a free agent. Sam Darnold, they'd have to trade for Marcus Mariota. They'd have to trade for Gardner Minshew. They would have to trade for. Uh, Jameis Winston is a free agent. Carson Wentz, they would obviously have to trade for. Cam Newton is a free agent. Nick Foles, I think they'd have to trade for. And Andy Dalton also is a free agent. So that is my, that's my pecking order. I've kind of really started to like the Gardner Minshew talk too, because I think it would be cheap. And I think we've seen him play really productive football. And he's done it for a franchise that is not, all that much like I wouldn't mind seeing what he could do under Frank you know yeah uh what what how do you rank those guys all right let's see this so you had Fitzpatrick number one which I totally get because he's a free agent uh it's just so intriguing to have to get a free agent it's easier than trading right you don't have Um, to give away picks it's if you're getting him then it probably means you have your guy in tow Mm -hmm. are planning to get your guy so it's cheap it's probably for one year you don't have to give up picks so i'm gonna preface this by saying like if i was if we're doing like a scale of one to ten 
And 10 is like, I need it. Go do it for me. I want it more than anything in the world. And one is like, stay away from it, right? My highest option on here would probably be like a four. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like we don't I'm love any of super... these options. <laughs> so I'll go Ryan Fitzpatrick one. Uh, like you said, I, I think he's actually probably the best quarterback on this list and he's a free agent. So I think you have to kind of have him at the top there. If you're trying just to get to those 10, like nine, 10, 11 wins this year, he's a top guy to go to. Uh, then I'll go Sam Darnold because he's, you know, I, I think he's probably broken at this point because we, we, we just seen bad play for years now from him. But we've also but seen guys blow up when they get away from Adam Gase. We've seen the one. We, we've seen the one. And he's a super rare case. Well, not just quarterback, though. Like several skill yeah. position players, though. That's true. That's true. That's true. We've seen the one quarterback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I like the talent and he's young, so I get it. As long as we're not paying too much for him, I'm fine with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'd probably go man I think I'd go Gardner Minshew third there I I don't think Minshew's anything special but I think he can operate a short passing offense like the Colts have and I think he moves well in the pocket you get a good line with him I think he can be a very optimal starter mm-hmm. then I'll I'm actually gonna be a little different than most would say here but I'm actually gonna go Cam Newton after that uh, I think I don't think Cam is broken like everybody says. I don't think he was great by any means last year. But, uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about bad supporting cast, I mean, you know, people say Carson Wentz had no receivers and no line. New England had no one. Dude, Cam Newton's top receiver was Jacoby Myers this year. And I like Jacoby Myers, but Mm -hmm. he should be your fourth receiver, not your top guy. Uh, So, yeah, I think Cam has more to do. And I think uh, Sport Info Solutions graded him out as – I think 70% accurate on his deep passes this year, which was Hmm. the most in the NFL among starting quarterbacks. So I I think there's more there than the perception of that. I I'm actually interested in that, especially if it's a pretty, cause I'm assuming he's going to be a really cheap deal considering the year he just had uh, on paper. So I'm intrigued. You can get that Jacoby Brissett package going with him too, and actually expand on that package a bit. So I'm, I'm more intrigued by cam than most would be, but I get not being intrigued. Uh, then I'd probably go Mariota after that. Kind of the same exact things I'd say for Mariota that I meant about Cam, where like I think you can do that reset package a bit with him and expand on it. Uh, I think Mariota is one of those guys that's a little bit better than his uh, stats. I mean, if, if you look at career pass rating, I know pass rating, but his career pass rating is higher than Carson Wentz's career pass rating. Uh, so I think there's, but I think there's some more there. Uh, then I'd probably go for him, uh, from other reports, but you know, he, he was an MVP candidate a couple years ago and I can't completely overlook that. So I think he's probably broken. I don't know if there's much for him, but, uh, I, I think we're taking a shot. Oh man. And then, and then our Jameis Foles or Jameis then Dalton then Foles is the worst part of it. Uh, yeah. Dalton, I, I don't think, yeah, Dalton, I don't think is going to be anything good again. And uh, most talent, but 
man, bringing your bringing in a quarterback who has as much baggage as him off the street. I don't know. I I don't think that that would be a great fit in this team and and everything. I mean, they built like I know Ballard said recently that they have built a locker room that can take on like a risky character type guy, but not a quarterback, you know, like, yeah, we're talking about a guy who, you know, obviously there was the stuff that he was stealing and stuff in college. And then the whole Uber incident, which people don't like to talk about anymore, but the Uber incident was pretty bad. Uh, and that was once but, he was in the pros too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was only like four, I think it was like three or four years ago and like not even that long ago. So I'm pretty all the way out on Winston. Like, again, I, if they signed him, I'd say, okay, the talent is at least there. He maybe could be something, but I don't know. I, I'm kind of out on him, but that's, that's where I'm at. Like as a, as a person, hell no, if it's me making the decision, no, but like realistically, yeah. it's not me making the decision. He is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, I, it's not the greatest of options. If, I mean, people are obviously hearing this and they think that we like these guys. I don't like any of these guys. I don't want any of them, but Fitzpatrick's probably your best bet though if you want to see a productive season again from the Colts and I if they can pair Fitzpatrick with trading up for a guy like Trey Lance or something or even even a guy like Cam Newton with trading up for for Trey Lance who Lance and Newton are actually pretty similar uh in regards to how they win as quarterbacks um I think that can be an effective formula but uh the draft's one part but the free agency yeah I think they have to come away with one of these guys and hopefully they're just not spending or paying too much for one of them is my biggest thing yeah yeah and uh honestly a lot of fans may not love it if the colts got ryan fitzpatrick but if they did it means a couple things number one it means they're probably going to go all in to get their guy in the draft because teams teams get ryan fitzpatrick to play until they can replace him with the next guy basically yeah but he's hard to replace because he plays so damn good for stretches when he's out there. Like, honestly, the more recent history has been more Fitz magic than it has been Fitz tragic as it used to be referred to. Yeah. I think last year he was eighth in EPA or something before mm -hmm. he got benched. Like he was like eighth or ninth in EPA among quarterbacks, which uh, I think was just behind Phillip rivers. I think rivers squeaked above him mm -hmm. on the year, but like he was right there with what Philip Rivers was doing on on a much worse offense. Yeah, he's played well with Miami. He played well in Tampa. I forget. I was he in Houston right before. He's played for everyone. I don't know, but he's played. Yeah, this would be like his thirty fifth team. Like somehow yeah. he's playing on thirty fifth team. <laughs> exactly. He's <laughs> it's, uh, no. He he's played well the last few places he's been. Um, so that's enough for pro quarterbacks for now. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about a couple potential draft picks. Uh, so obviously every, everyone kind of knows about, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, those guys. But there's a very real possibility the Colts don't come out of the first round with a quarterback. Uh, so they could be looking at round two, three, four uh, at quarterback. Uh, with that being the case, Zach and I did a little homework and, and looked at a couple guys who – um, have a little name recognition and, and people are have been kind of interested in as kind of earlier mid round picks. Uh, that's Kellen Mond, who just uh, just made a little more name for himself at the Senior Bowl. I think he was the game's MVP and Jamie Newman, who also was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Newman 
so he transferred from Wake Forest to Georgia for the 2020 season, but then opted out for COVID reasons. So uh, last we saw, we, we have his 2019 Vanderbilt tape, really, is what we have to go off of. Um, personally, for me, after watching him, I really wished we would have had that 2020 season of seeing him with Georgia with a better supporting cast in the SEC, but we don't. So we'll, uh, we'll just kind of go ahead and, and quickly share with you some of our notes on, on both of those guys. So uh, if you were paying attention to Zach's Twitter here tonight, uh, he was he was posting some Kellen Mond stuff. Um, Mond is, is pretty intriguing. He's got an okay build at, at about 6'2", 217 pounds. Um, he's, he's a guy that's more than capable of getting out and running. Uh, I think he's got a, a strong arm with a quick release, puts good velocity on it, uh, but he can also put good touch on it. A lot of those guys, it's for some reason – they can't separate putting touch on it and not just firing rocket balls the whole time. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's capable of throwing on the run. Um, and if he's throwing on the run off balance, he has a good enough arm to still get it there. Uh, I think, I think he's pretty decent at hitting guys in stride. Um, he uh, he's not the most consistent guy at really anything. Um, but I do think he is, he's got some decent timing and he likes to hit guys in stride, which of course opens up more yards after the catch, uh, possibilities and, and things like that. Uh, his deep stuff, very, very inconsistent. I think, um, also ran primarily out of a shotgun offense. That's not as big of a deal anymore. Uh, he did have some snaps under center, but, um, I think also you, you don't, you don't see a lot of having to go through a ton of reads during the play. Um, not a lot of window dressing either. There was a lot of quick stuff on his plate. Um, so you're probably looking at a guy you have to work on for a season or two before you start him. Uh, what, what all did you see on tape for him? Yeah, somehow I'm going to be like the pessimistic one on both these, even though you weren't super <laughs> like, <laughs> high on them either. But you, you probably won't be more pessimistic than me on Newman, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, you'll probably you'll probably beat me on that one. Um, and I don't even like Newman that much either. But ah, man, with with Kellen Mond, he has to be the best awful quarterback I've ever watched. Like <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's incredible bad. Like I, I, I don't know how to. Just, he is the most confusing player I've maybe ever watched because, like, you'll <laughs> string together a game or two of just like looking like a round one quarterback more so than any of the like we see two toolsy quarterbacks come out every year. And I'm going to throw out some of your guys here. Stephen Montez last year was a toolsy guy. Baby uh, Andrew Luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jacob Eason was was a toolsy guy. But I don't feel like they've ever strung together like two really, really good games in a row like like Mond has done consistently. I mean, he, he's done it for like the last three or four years now where he'll have a couple games a year where, holy shit, first round quarterback, you know, like I think he can be legit. And then every other game, it's either inconsistent or really bad. Like when it's bad, it's really, really bad with Kellen Mond, like awful. Yeah. And, you know, I think just comparing him straight up to someone like Jacob Eason, who's currently on the Colts roster. I think his issues are more fixable than Eason's are where Mon, you have a good baseline of he reacts well to pressure. Uh, he has a quicker release 
and he um, can improvise and create plays on the run. So I think those are things he has better than Eason that translate better to immediate success and, and more of a baseline than someone like Eason had. The issues, though, are he's going to need a whole entire reworking of his mechanics. I mean, his his uh, like mechanics or whatever, he, he like – the elbows are like above his head when he throws. It feels like like his yeah. elbows are like. He's got ultra mechanics. I have no clue what he's doing with those elbows throughout his mechanics. So I, I don't know. Like I, I, you guys can't see me, but I've got like my hands under my chin and my elbows up by my ears. That's Kellen Mond in the pocket. Dude, the best impression I've seen. I mean, literally, that's all it is. So yeah his mechanics are really weird his footwork is all over the place. I mean, he can still deliver some strikes when his feet aren't aligned, but more times than not his feet aren't aligned uh, and then you add on that like yeah like you said he's kind of a one read player he doesn't really get through his progressions I, I think he looks off well like I think he can he does a good job of looking off a deep safety if he wants to take a shot but those plays again are just all in mind he has that one read in mind he's not you know he's not looking at another read with the like the this, like desire to throw it to him and then coming back to another one he's just specifically looking off that safety and going to his number one read he had. So I think the best way I can describe him, honestly, without the jokingness of good and bad is uh, I think he's a really poor man's Justin Fields. Uh, I think he does. He has a lot of the same issues that Fields has where Fields, I think is more ready to play now has less mechanical issues. And I think can, can survive immediately in the NFL where, uh mon just needs a ton of work uh, i think a guy like tom house could be would be huge for him uh but i i do think there's at least a year where he would just not ha- be able to touch the field which obviously the colts like unless they're completely done with eason don't really have the availability to do that with a quarterback especially with mon who might go in like round three or four so yeah i don't know and i mean unless they're completely done with eason which i don't think they're completely done with him yet uh, and there's no real reason to be completely done with him yet. Uh, I, I don't know if Mond is really a fit for the Colts, even though, again, the peaks in his play are so tantalizing. Like they're, man, he, he strings together some good, some good stuff. And it's, it's just annoying when he can't, <laughs> when he can't keep it. Zach and I are, are both back from some dog technical difficulties now, but uh, to, to finish up Mond, there is, there is some upside there. Some of it, like Zach said, some of his stuff is very correctable. I I had him bookmarked before the season as a guy, a guy to to keep track of because I, I he's he's been starting since his freshman year. I thought with a big year this year he could have put himself into the first round. Yeah. Uh, just you didn't see that big final year jump from him. So. You know, yeah, it, it was his best career year because I think it mm-hmm. was in 10 games. He had like 2,400 yards passing, uh, 19 touchdowns, three interceptions, highest completion percentage of his career, mm-hmm. highest yards per attempt of his career. Uh, he actually brought his rushing numbers way down, I guess, was focusing more on being a pocket guy. But yeah, it still wasn't. It wasn't that big leap everyone expected yeah. to see from him. No, a- 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 A&M wasn't bad, if I'm not mistaken. But Yeah, it was a leap, but it wasn't like a big uh, one. Right. It wasn't It wasn't like a, a Heisman watch list leap, which that, that would have – yeah, that would have put him into the first round consideration. So that was a possibility for him, but just not big enough of a year. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, this other guy we tasked ourselves with, uh, Jamie Newman – 
again, last played for Vanderbilt, transferred to Georgia uh, for the 2020 season, but opted out for COVID. Um, him, I he's someone I'll probably make myself go back and watch more of just because, like, I, I know he's being talked about kind of day two, early day three, and I'm just not really loving what I saw. Um, I think he's got decent size. He he's he's going to be given a mobile tag, but he does a lot more running between the tackles, and you don't see him open it up a lot more. So you you really don't know how fast and athletic he is. He does a lot of that stuff between the tackles. It's like uh, Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts before him. Yeah, Jalen Hurts hasn't been really known as like a big burner, but he did a lot between the tackles at Oklahoma and, and Alabama. Uh, that's that's kind of Newman to me. Uh, his the ball has good zip on it, uh, and again he can put touch on it as well. But I I think his accuracy is kind of all over the place. I thought it was very inconsistent. I don't think he leads guys at all. I think he throws to players rather than spots, and that that totally eliminates yards after catch uh, possibilities. Um. As far as passing, that's about all the the good stuff I had. But, like, I don't – it doesn't look like he has to go through a lot of reads. I think he goes to his first guy a lot. He locks on to guys. Again, not a lot of communication and window dressing before the snap. Um, Again, the accuracy at all levels, short, intermediate, and deep, it's it's so inconsistent. Um, He can can put a beautiful drop in the bucket one play in the very next – make a completely open guy have to dive for it. So it's, you just don't know where that's coming from. I don't think he throws particularly well on the run either. So even though he's kind of mobile, throwing on the run is not really an asset for him. Um, I I do think he's a little bit of a victim of his of the offense he was at, on at Vanderbilt. I didn't really love what I saw from that. Uh, I thought the route tree he was throwing to was very bland and just there wasn't a ton of variety to it so you didn't see him get to make a bunch of different types of throws you saw a lot of the same type of stuff um but yeah just i thought he was okay at some at some things but there was definitely nothing that stood out to me yeah yeah uh just so you stop bashing vanderbilt it was actually wake forest <laughs> wake yeah. wake wake that's right it's the colors it's the same colors. uniform same uni- no I, I knew exactly where the confusion came yeah. i just vanderbilt gets enough trash as it is you know that's we don't want to keep we don't need to keep throwing <laughs> stuff at them but well that was embarrassing i'm at wake forest that whole time no it's all good it's all honestly i don't i only know because sage surratt was there that's the only reason i even know i know and i i, I uh i caught kendall hinton that uh that kid that had uh make that start at quarterback for the Broncos yeah. when they didn't have, I caught him making a catch from, from uh, Newman on, on one play. <laughs> oh man. I forgot. He's, he's going to go down as like the worst passer rating in the history of football. I think it's like, the, it's like a negative passer rating. It was so bad, but anyway, <laughs> getting back to Newman. Uh, I, yeah. I don't really have too much to add to what you said. I think I'll say for projecting the NFL, like he just, he needs to go day three. If he goes day two, it's just a recipe for failure. He's not going to succeed. Um, just because I think there'll be too, like, he'll have to be thrown in there a little too early. Too many expectations. Uh, where Mond, I, I, yeah, yeah, expectations too. I, I just don't see it. Mond, I think, can be a day two guy because I think he has enough to where he could at least 
survive as a starter if he had to be like he wouldn't be a good starter right away but he could survive if he had to be or where Newman is not even close to starting uh there's just so many issues I think one thing that you didn't mention that I noticed was he's pretty much all upper body when he throws yeah uh, which probably leads to a lot of his misses like there's no transfer of weight in his lower body there's nothing that kind of contributes that and then also his decision making I think he just gets I don't want to say he gets bored, but he like gets impatient and where he just like forced something that doesn't need to be forced at all. I mean, we saw that senior bowl practice. I think there was one day through like five interceptions That's, in senior bowl yeah. practice, which is completely in favor for quarterbacks, like in setup for quarterbacks to look great. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think day three would be a fine option if he can sit behind a quarterback who is probably like a veteran, but probably has like three or four more years left like someone he can truly sit behind and just like be behind for years while behind the scenes you have training and you have assistant coaches working with him. Maybe he can be something, but I would say, I doubt it. I don't, I don't think he's really going to be much in the NFL. Uh, but like I said, like if he ends up in, what's the team that has uh, like Tampa, cause Brady will end up playing for four or five more years somehow if he can end up in like Tampa and sit there and learn from Bruce Arians and Tom Moore for a couple of years and, and, you know, maybe go to like a, like work with um, like Tom house and stuff to like, maybe he could become something, but I wouldn't put money on it. I don't think he is going to be, it's, we see a lot of guys like this every single year. Uh, so I don't know. I, if he goes day two, I don't think that's a, I don't think he's going to succeed either, but mm-hmm. if he can day three and sit for a couple of years, maybe he could be a serviceable backup in the league. Yeah. that That's why I really wished we had the 2020 tape on him. Cause our last game tape on him is just pretty uninspiring. Yeah. Um, the, the, again, like you said, the senior bowl wasn't much better, but I really wanted to see him with a supporting cast at Georgia, you know, mm-hmm. um, honestly, some of what he did, reminded me of Jacob Easton at Washington. Um, yeah. But all, yeah. all those deep fades and all the sideline balls and all that stuff. Like there is a lot of that, to be honest. Yeah. With. That I was think, a very common theme with Eason. I think Eason attacked the seams a little better. And he yes. knew he knew leveraging on defense better, which, you know, I, I don't give too many compliments to Jacob Eason. I know I'm not really the hugest Jacob Eason guy, but I love the way Eason knew how to attack defenses. He always knew how to do it like with aggressive shots, like whole shots and uh, slot fades. It's like he knew what he was doing. He just didn't do it or couldn't do it sometimes. Newman, I don't think he want, like can attack. Like he, he just kind of does the one read stuff where it's like coach tells me to throw it to the X. I'm going to throw it to the X here. So I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like, I like. It looks Bond like assignment. Like, it looks like assignment football with no ad living. It looks like, yeah, it, it looks like he's throwing to what is supposed to be the primary option, even if he doesn't want to. Yeah, I think when we when we watch these like day two and day three guys, when we're going to do stuff like this, Eason should be kind of be like our litmus test to a degree to like, Mm -hmm. because one, if if they're not a player that we would take over Eason, like there's no point even really talking about them, you know, after after this podcast, obviously, we're going to talk about just to get out there to you guys. But uh, so personally, for me, I don't know how you would fall with that. I think I would I probably take take Edmon before Eason. Uh, I, I just think there's more overall and a better base there, but Newman, I wouldn't have taken before Easton. I don't know if you, would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think there's more to work with Mond. I would go Mond, Eason, Newman. Um, I I could I could see where Eason could be a serviceable player, uh, but I just think it would take some real time for that to happen with Newman. And again, I I think I told you before we went on air. I've been wrong about guys like that before, like um, yeah. Jalen Hurts. I had reservations about him being a potential first round guy. Um, I had reservations about Dak Prescott a few years ago. I, I kind of lumped those guys in together because I didn't love them as passers so much. And they were kind of physical runners between the tackles. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I've been wrong about those guys before. Dak came in as a rookie and was awesome. Um, Jalen Hurts yeah. looks like he might be pretty good. So, and, and I, I'll also preface this. We don't ever want <laughs> these guys to be bad. Like we're just telling you what we see. Like, oh, I want all kickers to be bad, but everybody else, yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, I just want kickers to be bad. Everybody else, I want to be awesome, dude. I, I like this isn't like self promo, but you know, I interview last year, I think I interviewed like 72 or 73 guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, the year before that, I think I just got over 50. All those guys I've talked to, I want them to be the most successful player ever. Like, I Mm -hmm. love almost every guy I've talked to, like, they're all great people. I want all these guys to be great. just because I'm saying Jamin Newman, I don't think is going to be decent even in the, in the next level. I hope he's great unless he ends up in a division rival. Then I hope he sucks. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, I, I, you know, I, I always hate when there's like a personal thing to it where like, like people are always like, Oh, why do you hate the guy? Or, or like, they try to at the guy and stuff like that. It's like, Oh, don't be a tattletale, man. Or that's the worst. Yeah. Or they, or even they're like, Oh, you're the big GM. Like who cares about your opinion? I'm like, well, one, at least, you know, for me, like Vox media cares about my opinion. (laughs) Right. They pay, they pay, you know, uh, believe cares about my opinion. So that's why I give it because that, but, but yeah, like it's never a personal thing. I I don't like, I I don't know that, it's a player I'm watching. They're obviously people. And I'm not going to say like this person's the worst person ever, as well as a horrible quarterback, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just a job. And and that's why, you know, it's something we enjoy doing and, and we'll talk about, but it's never a personal thing. I, I never want these guys not to succeed. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I want to be wrong about a lot of these guys. Um, but yeah, we'll, we're going to go ahead and transition because there's, there's going to be more of these. We'll probably do this every week. Uh, but we'll go ahead and transition now into the questions. We'll probably go through these a little quickly because, again, there is a lot of them. Um, Zach can probably see my face is absolutely, like, lit up now with all the white because of these questions. <laughs> it's just white across. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, I try to group these together subject-wise the best I can. Um, first one, here's – and I saw you like this one particularly. Uh, here's it. Here's just a fun theoretical question. What's more valuable to an NFL franchise, an elite quarterback or an elite GM? We had an elite quarterback, but a bad GM ruined it. Uh, Just off the top of my head, I would say uh, it's unfortunately, I think it's probably more important to have the GM uh, because you, that GM can build a team that is not so heavily dependent on a quarterback. Number one, Uh, number two, like this person said, you can have a great quarterback in the GM can just put total shit around them. Like it's, 
that that gives you such a short window like we saw with Andrew Luck for example we, the Colts had a window of like four years four or five years there when they should have had a window of 15 years uh yeah. lead, leadership matters uh, so what do you think yeah no I <laughs> I, I <laughs> what does the what does the dog think it does not like the neighbors out outside <laughs> is what he doesn't like um here give me one second let me, <laughs> let me Yo. More technical difficulties. Don't grumble at me. You're okay. All right. Um, no, yeah, I'd probably go with the GM, though. Uh, it's really tight, though. Like, uh, I can see the argument for both sides. I, you know, obviously, the, the, the cop-out answer is you need both. But, yeah, that's such a good question. I really, I never even thought of it like that before. You know, whenever, I love that question. Whenever it comes down to a stalemate where there's a disgruntled quarterback, does the quarterback ever win the battle? What? No, they they get shipped off somewhere else. Whether they demand the trade with the coach, they win for. Yeah, which with the coach they do, but the GM, it's. I think the See, answer. I is think GM. that the question would have been easier if it was head coach versus quarterback, because then I would have said quarterback. I would but, too. Yeah. But GM is that's that's a good one. I, you know, I'd probably say GM, but man, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I love the question. You can have a better roster built for longer, and you can look for a quarterback, and you could be on the cusp like the Colts are. Just, I mean, this year they're not just a quarterback away, but like they have been in recent yeah. in recent yeah. memory. Um, I love that question. I love it. Like honestly, I don't even know how to answer it. I just love the question. I yeah. think it's something I've never even thought of. So that, that's a that's a smart question. We don't. Yeah, that was different. All right, next one. With all the talk of day one quarterback for the Colts, are they if they are unable to get a quarterback day one? Who are the day two guys you like? So we just discussed two of them. One we like. One, eh. Um, <laughs> let me see. I got my in here. Okay, so Kyle Trask is an option. Um, I like Ian book and Zach does not like Ian. Book. <laughs> <laughs> I will preface by saying, I don't even know if I don't like Ian book. I just throw his name out there as someone who we kind of know what he is at this uh-huh. point. I'm a Notre Dame guy though. So like I've, I've always, I, I've always had an eye on Ian book. I I've liked him enough to think he's worth a shot. I I'm sure I won't completely hate him when I watch him, mm-hmm. but if I, even if I probably won't even watch him, honestly, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't even know if I'll watch him, but <laughs> well, if, if it tells you anything, I'm pretty sure he is the quarterback that Brian Kelly has allowed to play for the longest while at Notre Dame. Brian every, Kelly. every other quarterback either has to share the field with another quarterback or they only get to start every other game. But I'm pretty sure book has seen the most action out of any Brian Kelly quarterback. Do you know who my irrational Notre Dame quarterback that I loved was? Was Tommy Reese. I yes, the dude, the closer. Dude, I love because Everett Golson could make some plays in the first three quarters, and then Tommy Reese would have to come in to finish it off. And they got to a national championship doing that. Tommy Reese is the man. We're not going to talk about what happened in that game. No, my my friends give me shit about that all the time. They're like, remember when we were all at your house for the national championship against Alabama, and then you got really drunk? (laughs) I would have, too. I would have, too. That wasn't a fun game if you were an Erdem fan. Eddie Lacy. uh, Let's see. Day two, guys. Kyle Trask is probably my favorite. Uh, Given – I 
with a stipulation that Mac Jones goes day one, which I'm pretty sure he will at this mm-hmm. point. He just seems like the type that gets a bit overdrafted. Top 15 buzz now. Yeah, I'm about to say, I, I, I feel like he's going to go top 15 probably. They're, we'll probably have five quarterbacks at the top 15, which would be fun. Um, but yeah, Trask is probably the best one, but he's so limited. I don't know if he's really going to be anything more than like a Nick Mullins type in the league or something, you know, like kind of, mm-hmm. uh, or, uh, I've heard one thrown out a lot that I think is pretty good is Mason Rudolph. Uh, his game is pretty similar to like a Mason Rudolph type. Uh, another intriguing guy, which I think we should talk about on another, we should give a whole, um, prospect spotlight on him is, uh, Davis Mills from Stanford, okay. uh, former, fi- former five-star guy throws a really pretty ball, uh, pure pocket guy. I think there's some interesting aspects of his game. Uh, so he's probably my favorite day two guy along with Mond, if Mond were one. But again, Colts already have a project on the roster and these guys are projects. So I, I probably wouldn't take one day two. I think you have to trade up or, you know, say Mac Jones is there at 21. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with taking him. I, I think Mac Jones will be a fine NFL player. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think he's bad by any means. I think he's, he's got a be... safe. He's got kind of a safe floor. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he can run Frank Reich's offense fairly well. So I, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. But I think you have to get one of these top five guys if if you're going the draft. Yeah, I, I would think so too. That I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they only have a handful of quarterbacks on their board in this draft. Um, yeah. next one, I'm, let's see. Seems like a difficult tightrope to walk this off season with showing the Colts hand, trading for a quarterback, waiting for a free agency in the draft with quarterback. Where does Chris Ballard draw the line between making a move now to make sure that they have a solid option or waiting to pounce on a better option later? So, you know, I, to me, that sounds like a little bit like, um, uh, risking the present and getting a guy now versus waiting too long and not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think the way that I would interpret that is basically saying like, do you go too aggressive for a guy like Carson Wentz because you just want to get somebody? Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I, again, I think Ballard is reserved with what he's going to do. Uh, when there's a time to be aggressive and he's shown that here. And, you know, he, even though he wasn't with Kansas city, when it happened, he was a big part of that Pat Mahomes trade. Cause they were talking about it a year in advance when he was actually still there in Kansas city. So he knows when to be aggressive. I mean, he traded the 13th overall pick for a defensive tackle last year. So he knows when to be aggressive. Um, but it's, it's about being reserved with your shots. You know, you don't want to, you know, Carson Wentz, unless you fully, fully believe in him, you don't want to throw, you know, like a first round pick and another pick at him, because if you don't have that full belief in him, that that's a lot of risking it, you know, for someone who you don't think is going to pay off or might may not pay off, you know, uh, where it's easier to sell that on a rookie guy that you kind of believe in. Uh, so I, I think, I think there's a way to attack this off season where you can be aggressive, but not too aggressive. And, and that involves, you know, you can trade for a guy like a Mariota or sign a Fitzpatrick and that's, still keeping you kind of competitive and stuff, but you would also be aggressive and go after one of these young quarterbacks. If you fully believe in it, which even though I think that these quarterbacks are going to go fairly high and Ballard has to go up and get them. I don't think it's going to be absorbently high, but like some people are saying, you know, I've seen some mock drafts where they're all like four quarterbacks in the top four. That's not going to happen. Uh, 
that's the one thing I know it's not, that's not going to happen. I think it's more likely that you see like one go at one, one go at like two or three. Um, then you'll see another one go at like seven, another one at 10, another one at 15, you know, like they're going to yeah. spread out. There's going to be options and avenues to where Ballard can jump up. I mean, Kansas city, when they were talking about doing the trade the year prior, they went from 27 up to 10 to get Mahomes, and they gave up an extra first and another thing because they really believed in Mahomes. Uh, that's a trade that Ballard could certainly do from 21. He could give up, you know, maybe not even the extra first. Maybe you can give 21 and two seconds or whatever to get up there and, and get, or like a second, another pick to get up there. So I think there's a lot of options. You know, you can go passive with it by getting a Mariota, a Minshew, a Fitzpatrick, but also go aggressive and get your quarterback of the future. It just depends on where he sees it, but he's not going to mortgage anything in the future for someone he doesn't believe in. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to trade up just for the hell of it. Not just for the sake of trading up. You know, if, if Zach Wilson's the only one there and he doesn't like Zach Wilson, he won't trade up for him and we'll all be pissed. But in the long run, you know, you don't want to be aggressive at the wrong things. And I think that's where Ballard draws a line. I think he's really good at that. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's, you know, you hear it all the time, but I, I would just have faith in Ballard with this stuff. I think, you know, he, he could make a wrong move here, but I, I have faith in what he's doing. He, he's given me no reason to really doubt his plan at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about the kind of pattern where the quarterbacks might go, because I think there's just a big misconception that some people have that teams will just take the best quarterback available. And that's just not the case. When, when a team is eyeing a quarterback, they spend a lot of time studying them, really just because Zach, uh, Zach Wilson may be the second quarterback off the board doesn't mean he's for everybody. Like some teams mm-hmm. may hate him, you know? Um, so that, that's just not how it works. Those guys just aren't going to stack up with those first four picks because there will be teams that hate some of these guys. There'll be teams that love them. There'll be teams who are like, yeah, I like them, but maybe at 25, you know, yeah. that's just how it goes. It's not realistic that they're all going to get stacked up like that. Yep. Uh, next one. How would Mac Jones look in the Colts offense? <laughs> I think I kind of touched on this, but, yeah. uh, I think he'd be fine. You know, I don't think he'd be amazing. Uh, I think he, I think, a, you know, you, you could throw like a Jimmy Garoppolo type or maybe like a little bit better than that. You know, is that all inspiring or amazing? No, but it's capable. It's a young quarterback who has room to grow. Uh, so I think I think he can be fine. Uh, I I don't think he's gonna be anything special in the NFL, but again, I I think he can be a capable guy who can run an NFL offense. I at his absolute peak, he's probably like a top twelve to fourteen guy, uh, and I would hope he would hit it if he's the pick at twenty one. But yeah, I'm fine with uh, I'm fine with them taking Mac Jones as long as it's not trading up for Mac Jones. I think that's a little too much. Yeah, I think he would do fine in this offense. Um, He's not necessarily a Ballard kind of quarterback, but I think he would be able to do the things Frank Reich likes. I think he'd be able to, to hit those rhythmic short plays, just do kind of a lot of West Coasty stuff. Um, yeah, I think if know, Reich loves him, Ballard would take him at 21. Yeah. But even if Reich absolutely loves him as pounding the table, Ballard would not trade up for a quarterback like Mac Jones. No. Like, I think the reason they trade up for people is because it's like a room consensus that like everybody yeah. wants them. Uh, but no, I, I think Mac Jones would do a lot. A, they they would run the ball first and foremost. They would do some play action because he can also take plenty of shots, but he's not going to have those deep weapons he had at Alabama. He doesn't have 
Um, you know, he, he played when Tua went out. He doesn't have Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. He doesn't have all those guys. So he wouldn't be taking as many shots like that. But I think he would do the short rhythmic stuff and all that intermediate just fine. I, I think he would meet expectations. Yeah, I think not, he'd be better than Brissett, worse than Rivers, if, if you, that's the way yeah, he'd I think he'd fall in that, in that medium there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. We've talked about that. So we'll get into a couple Eagles things. Uh, okay, my question would be this. The Eagles speculation. What are your thoughts on sending players and the 21st pick for the Eagles early? Uh, you know, they mentioned uh, like Zach Ertz here. That That's what you've been hearing. Uh, I know someone else mentioned like Darius Slay. So basically, no one wants to give up just the 21st pick. But if the Colts were getting uh, – uh, shit, what's his name? Wentz? Yeah, Wentz and other Eagles players in return. I know you've you've heard Earth, so was there anyone else? No. No. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I haven't either. This person mentioned Darius Slay, though. So oh, I was cool. saying no to doing that. I Oh, yeah, no. That, <laughs> I, that sounds expensive. <laughs> you know, like, like I, just to get quicker through these questions here, I wouldn't include – 21 in any trade for Wentz no. unless I was getting their 38 pick back uh, and Ertz. So I would uh, no. do Yeah, I would do it. I, I don't like also, Wentz. So I don't want Wentz. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I would hope that it included like Andre Dillard or something, you know, like throw him in there yeah. as well. Josh Sweat. Um, like I kind of like Josh Sweat. Yeah, Josh so. Sweat. Yeah, that, that was a popular name among Colt stuff. We'll we'll cut know. we'll cut some of these out that we've kind of already touched on a little bit. Um, there was a couple of them that asked about the price of getting a top five, getting trading into the top five or ten. Um going up that high is gonna cost at least two firsts, probably a second as well. Yeah, uh, top ten. I would say, from like, say you want to go up to seven. twenty-one into into yeah, seven. Say you want to go up to seven, right? Because seven's Detroit's pick, I believe. So that mm-hmm. one makes sense, mm-hmm. and you would get right in front of Carolina, who wants a quarterback. So that one probably makes the most sense. Um, I would say you probably have to offer twenty-one next year's first, and probably a third. Uh, I don't think you'd have to go to a second with the extra pick. Um, I think the trade value chart would be two first and a third to get up that high. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have to go up to a second just because, you know, draft day valuation is a little bit higher than that value chart uh, to get into the top five. I know a lot of people thrown out pick number two because the Colts trade with the, the jets quite a bit. Uh, you're probably looking at three firsts and probably two seconds to get up yeah, that high. That's really, that, high. that's, an, that's going to be an insane price gift to number two. I don't think, I don't think that's happening unless like Ballard literally talks to Frank and they're both like Justin Fields can be the a top five quarterback in the league we have to get him no matter what uh outside of that I, I think seven is probably a place you could circle or a 10 with dallas if like lance is there and they really like lance uh, i think those are the two places you would probably circle for a trade-up yeah absolutely and i mean luckily some of these teams are trying to take care of their quarterback needs through through trade or free agency so that's good news for the colts um next up uh, we'll package this one together talking about um, positions and specific players. Uh, what are your top three first round choices for the Colts, whether that's at 21 
or trading up or trading down. Um, so I think both of us are in favor of trading up. Yeah. Um, but just for the for the here's my top three. Here's my top three. Yeah. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Those yeah. are my three. <laughs> of course, it'd be perfect. Uh, <laughs> in any order, whatever order. For the sake of of let's just say they're at twenty one. Mac Jones would. Ah, I don't. I kind of want to shoot higher than Mac Jones, though. You know what I mean? I, yeah. That feels like settling. Let, let's uh, just say in our scenario, okay. So obviously our top three would be three quarterbacks if yeah. we're talking trade ups. Uh-huh. Let's say in the scenario they, I don't know, they they are rolling with Fitzpatrick for a year, and Mac Jones is also off the board. So it's just like screw it, we're just going to go with Fitzpatrick for a year. We don't have a young quarterback we're going to bring in. Who are your three non-quarterbacks at 21? Yeah, so I would put Cosme on there because they an offensive tackle. If they're not getting a quarterback, you gotta yeah. you gotta look towards that. Um, one of the edge guys, maybe Russo or uh, Quiddy Pay. Um, I think those would be nice. Cornerback because this time next year, cornerback could look really ugly. Um, mm-hmm. Farley's probably not there, but, you know, you could have J.C. Horn. Paulson Adebo doesn't seem to still have that first-round buzz, I guess. But, yeah, there, there's there's some decent names. There. There's some really good receivers. Rashad Bateman would be a nice option. Um, the, the tackles. I, I mean, Cosme and if there's a really good tackle there, basically. Yeah, I would say the three guys – and I'm going to say two that are super underrated that people don't think are going to go in the first round, but could get up there. Uh, Cosme would be number number one. Uh, I love Cosme. Um, I'm still doing some digging on some off-field background stuff, so I'm trying to – On Cosme work. or in general? Yeah, so I've heard a little bit. I, I don't want to report it. It's not my place to report it, but mm-hmm. um, it might bring my grade down a bit, but I still love his film, so it won't bring him down to like – horrible for me uh but yeah like Cosme uh if he's there and then two guys Jordan Smith from UAB the pass rusher 67 235 uh Bendy uh strong uh had a good senior bowl week Uh, I think he's the guy who could sneak into that late first round and then Obi Melifonwu's brother uh uh Fadu I believe is how you say his first name Fadu Melifonwu corner from Syracuse uh 6'3 like 210 pounds really physical long corner uh he could move pretty well uh I mean obviously if he's Obi Melifonu's brother he's gonna have some athleticism so uh I think that him going first round will be like the surprise pick but he's gonna end up having a good career so uh that's that is a Ballard corner through and through yeah so if quarterbacks figured out before the draft somehow I could definitely see Melifonu being a guy he really, really likes with that first pick. And that's obviously if they have left tackle kind of figure it out and also um, uh, pass rusher, which I think they'll get in free agency. But those mm-hmm. are three guys I like at that pick. I really like Jordan Smith and, and Melifonu. I think those guys are really underrated names right now in this class. Uh, yeah, so this this next one, uh, let's see. So there's one that asks about Ballard not drafting an edge in round one yet. Uh, and then there's also there's also uh, which is a deeper talent this year, edge or offensive tackle? 
So those kind of tie together because they also ask, you know, is this the year that they go edge? Um, it just totally depends. God, I don't know. I've seen Quiddy pay tied to them quite a bit in mock drafts, but um, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. I mean, we we know that's like a cornerstone position that they want to they want to make sure they always have. So I could definitely see it. At, I mean, if this if they stay at twenty one, absolutely. Yeah. Um, even if they trade down, you could see you know Aziz Ojolari, you know. People like that. You just don't know right now which edged guys they like. Yeah, I think edge again is more likely in free agency. I mm. think they they've taken their two projects, and I'm not saying they're both fa- they both failed, but like they're coming along very slow. They yeah. need an impact guy, and even though a draft guy could be that, you know, uh, Aziz Ajwari and um, Quiddy Pay and all them could be those instant impact guys. I think they need that guy in free agency to be that. So I think they're going to go attack that free agency Uh, in terms of which one's deeper between tackle and defensive end. To me, I don't love the defensive end class. I think it's a good class. Like, you know, Quiddy pay Asai, um, the the kid from Penn state who these guys all have super long names that are really hard to say. (laughs) Um, Jordan Smith and uh, Ronnie Perkins are great defensive end prospects. I really like all of them. Uh, Offensive tackle is completely stacked though. Uh, yeah, I was going to say tackles, tackle. tackles better. Yeah, I, I actually said last year that the offensive tackle class last season was the deepest I've ever seen uh, since scouting since like 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year is much deeper. So I mean, already I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Year. I'm glad to hear that because I haven't got yeah, that I mean, deep into tackles. And I, I thought last year's tackle class was stupid stack too. Yeah, no, last year's was insanely st- – I mean, this year I – even though people might argue with me on this, I, I think last year's at the top is, or uh, yeah, last year's at the top is much better. Uh, even though Sewell's great, I don't think he's as good as Worfs. And that's not hindsight bias. I legitimately had a Hall of Fame grade on Worfs. I think he's the I best tackle him, yeah. prospect. I had him number one also. I had him insane. I think I had him as like my second or third overall prospect. Like I was I, in love. <laughs> yeah, dude, I thought he was going to be an all pro out the gate and turns out he was. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't think Sewell's as good as Werfs, and I don't think Slater or Darisol or Cosme even are as good as um, uh, Wills or Becton or uh, I guess those two. I don't think they're the as good as The top of two, last but. year's class was really, really good. As well. Yeah, the top of last year's class. I mean, you got three elite cornerstone tackles off the board in the top uh, 13. So I don't think this class is going to have that. I mean, Sewell will probably be that uh, in the top 10. But uh, I think this class is super deep. You're going to have a lot of day one starters and a lot of guys who are going to be solid starters for a long time. So I think tackle is by far and away uh, the deepest positional group in this entire class uh, and deeper than, than edge. Yeah. All right. We'll do two more here. Cause we, uh, again, we have a lot, we had a lot of questions to go through. Uh, I think you'll we're gonna like, do like a 24 hour live stream this off season. And we're going to answer every single question ever sent to us. That's what, I can't guarantee that. Actually, Josh, McMill- Josh McMillan asked when we were going to start doing live shows. We should. Um, we we got to do a live show. We, sh- we should do one. I think that's the next step. Start to live stream our shows and then pull the audio and put those on. Yeah. On. Matt, Matt Danley used to do the call-in shows, which are really cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, this next one. Um, do you guys have any idea of what kind of scheme tweaks we can see with Marcus Brady as offensive coordinator? And uh, I think it's Scott Milanovic. 
that addition. I'm imagining there must be some CFL things they might be incorporating. So what I see mostly, especially since Marcus Brady, like the, the beef of his career was CFL based um, spacing and spreading things out was big is big in the CFL. Yep. Um, you see that with college stuff too, not as much in the NFL, but I'm interested to see if they'll try to spread defenses out much more. That's, that's the main thing I was curious about. Yeah, which is actually interesting because Reich, I've done a lot of research on Reich's background as a coach and stuff. And he, he basically comes from two trees, uh, two schools of thought. And they're actually vastly different. You know, the, the Doug Peterson type is the, the 12 personnel, attack you with 12 personnel, um, not really heavy sets, but using those tight ends as mismatches. And then the Ken Wisenhunt area where he came from, Ken Wisenhunt and also, um, you know, working, I think, with uh, Mike McCoy. Yeah, Mike McCoy, Ken Wisenhunt, uh, kind of Tom Moore a little bit was kind of the same way. They mm-hmm. like to space it out. You know, uh, Tom Moore loves his levels concepts. Uh, Wisenhunt loves his spacing with drag concepts. And that's what Reich absolutely loves. He loves oh, all, the drag all the, concepts all the so, and mesh. Uh, th- those are all things of like Wisenhunt, Tom Moore. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff there. Uh, and I think Brady's going to help a little bit with that, with the Ken Wisenhunt you know, aspect of what Reich likes to do. Like, obviously we're going to still see a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13 personnel. I mean, I think the Colts were the best 13 personnel team in football last year. Uh, They were up there with 12 personnel as well. I mean, deep tight end group. But uh, I think what we saw, like, again, with a lot of what Michael Pittman Jr.'s success came from those drag plays and crossing routes, uh, having two big CFL minds in the room uh, is only going to increase that because the CFL, it's all about spacing. Like you said, it's all about run after catch. It's about creating things in the open field, and and that's what Reich absolutely loves. So, yeah, I, I think it's just going to add to that. I, I plan on studying a little bit of that Argonaut season uh, eventually this offseason, probably after the draft when there's, like, nothing to do. Mm. Uh, I'll get into a bit of that Argonaut season and break down some of those games. But, yeah, I, I think it will definitely help with the spacing, the mesh, the crossing routes that – that Reich loved and Sirianni loved as well. Sirianni was huge on those things when, when he came over with Reich. So I think it just kind of adds to that aspect. Yeah. And I mean, of of course, Frank is going to call the plays at the end of the day, but there's a lot of game planning that goes into it behind the scenes uh, as well. And then this one's a little topical because we've talked about free agent corners and things uh, and whether or not they'll be able to bring back Xavier Rhodes. Uh, But AJ Boye was released or is going to be released uh, by the Broncos, and could he be a replacement for Rhodes? I think it's possible. Um, a, a bigger corner, probably not going to be as expensive as Rhodes, but only if they can't bring Rhodes back. Um, I see that as a as a possibility. They've they've been able to have eyes on him for years. Texans, Jaguars. Uh, I'm not familiar with how well his season went with the Broncos last year, but he was a really good corner for a bit. Um, I mean, if, if they think he would fit well in, in their zone scheme and maybe fill a role similar to Rhodes, then why not? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I'll throw this little nugget in here for anyone still listening. I actually want you to at me on Twitter uh, because Jake and I go long on these podcasts and I always love to see who's listening all the way to the end. Uh, the last one was almost people. the last one was almost two hours long. <laughs> yeah. And this one's going to be close as well. So uh here, here's a little nugget I'll throw out there. I know that the Colts, through some people I've talked to, are are like want to sign Xavier Rhodes. That's a big priority, but I don't think he's going to come back. Um, I think 
he's just going to outprice himself and there's nothing bringing him back here. We've talked about this on, on the podcast. Gannon's gone. Um, and Gannon's gone. Yeah. There's no reason. The Colts are certainly looking at other guys in the market. And the three names I've kind of heard are Shaq Griffin, Akella Witherspoon, Kevin King. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are guys that I, I think they'll have interested. Now, Bouye, when I was talking to these guys, when I was talking about this with, with others, um, was not a free agent at that point. So maybe he will be a target as well, but I think they want to go with a bit of a younger guy uh, and, and kind of have them develop in the scheme. Because one thing that we don't talk about enough is I'm not going to say the Colts scheme doesn't need good cornerback play, but it's not as vital in this scheme as it is in other right. schemes. You know, the safety, like, you know, it's funny. Most defenses, it starts on the outside, you know, the defensive ends and the, the corners are huge, right? For almost every defense, the Colts, it's almost everything up the middle, you know, slot corner, safety play, uh, weak, weak side linebacker play and, and three tech are like the biggest aspects of this defense. So it's, it's a much different defense than most. However, you know, you need some guy who actually fits your scheme. And I think, you know, you can see them take a shot on guys like Kevin King and Akella Witherspoon who haven't really had the careers that you would expect at, at when they were draft prospects or even go a little bit hit, uh, bigger with a guy like Shaq Griffin, who's had a good career, is coming off a little bit of a down year. Uh, but I do know they're they're interested in those names. Those guys fit the Ballard mold, uh, fit what they they like out of their corners. So I could definitely see them going with one of those three if um, Xavier Rhodes does walk. Uh, but Bouye is an interesting one. I could definitely see that. If, if say, say they look at Griffin and, and Witherspoon and King and they don't see a guy who could be like an impact starter right away, I could definitely see Bouye. Uh, but those are the three names right there uh, at me on Twitter. If you heard all that, uh, that's some nice little nuggets for you guys and a little bit of a prize for, for listening here to the end. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, so yeah, that is it for questions on this one. Uh, if we didn't get to yours, uh, we do apologize, but please, please try and get us in for the, the next one. I stand a pretty good chance. We don't skip very many of them. So um, yeah, again, just kind of depends on if we've already touched on it or not. That is it for today's show. Uh, Please remember to subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. Me personally at JakeArthurNFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as JakeArthur underscore on Instagram. Zach is on Twitter and Instagram at ZachHicks2. And be sure to follow his written work on Stampede Blue and Cover One. Uh, I've got something cooking in the writing department, finally. I can't really talk about it quite yet, but uh, just know that I'll be back to writing soon. If you guys have any questions that you'd like for us to answer on the show, please send them to us through email at believeincolts at gmail.com. Or, of course, uh, like all these uh, today, just respond when we send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at Believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on this show specifically, just shoot us an email. Thanks again to Mike K for joining us. You'll hear Zach and me again next week to discuss all the latest buzz on the Colts, like whether or not they're going to have a new quarterback. Uh, really anything else buzzing online, and of course, your questions. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.